It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Hey, I'm excited to talk to my guest today. Joining me is Jonathan Rivera. Jonathan is the founder of The Podcast Factory, where in addition to hosting or co-hosting six podcasts, he's also a consultant that helps turn podcasts from sidelines or hobbies into a profitable business. So, Jonathan, welcome to Accelerate. Man, thanks for having me on, Andy. I'm excited to be here. Hey, my pleasure. So, take a minute and introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. Well, uh, hey, Accelerate listeners, what's up? Uh, I am Jonathan Rivera from the Podcast Factory. I started out as a uh, blue-collar electrician. My parents told me I needed to have a trade to fall back on. Did that for about 10 years. Hated it. Got into my own business. <laughs> well, let's talk about the electrician thing, though. You were <laughs> you something about you were at like the GM test track at Epcot? I mean, Oh, wow. You did was, your research. Yeah. What you, was Andy? that all about? <laughs> so right out of high school, I got a job as an electrician because I, I listened to what my parents told me and I, I got a trade. And I helped build not only the GM test track, which was my first job, but I also helped build the Islands of Adventure at Universal Studios. So that's actually where <laughs> I cut my teeth in being a construction worker. So what was the electrical component there? Everything, man, everything. I mean, those rides run on electric, everything, lighting, the rides, the communication systems, all that stuff is really the, the backbone and the infrastructure to any big project like that. And then you talk about that, you know, unlike some people who have an epiphany and find, uh, find God, you found Howard Stern. <laughs> yeah, so I couldn't stand listening to commercials on the radio uh, or, yeah, you know, the music stations they play, I, I feel like it's a 50-50 mix of commercials and uh, music. So I have video, and then I found Howard Stern, and I don't know how I could listen to that guy for four hours a day, but I listened to him every day for years when he got off terrestrial radio and went to satellite. I followed him there. When I didn't have satellite anymore, I got... I had cable, so I got his uh, programming channel, and I finally weaned myself off of that. But it was a good 10-year cycle. <laughs> you didn't have to go to like a 12-step program or anything like that. <laughs> I, I, maybe I should have. It might have been easier. <laughs> so that was also a long commute, it sounds like you had. Oh, yeah. It was uh, something like 60 miles each way, nothing but highway. So good time to just tune in and listen to the guys busting chops and cracking jokes and keep me entertained all day. So then you became an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. So I was, uh, I, I got fed up. I got burnt out. It took, only took me nine years for that and decided to try my hand at real estate because I knew it was the way that a lot of people had found freedom. I'd been studying for two years, reading books. I'm one of those guys who believes in always learning, always improving, always getting better. So I read books for two years. Finally, I took action, had some things change in my life and realized I couldn't be an electrician anymore. Jumped into real estate, made a million, lost more, and <laughs> rebuilt that business from the ground up about 10 years ago uh, was when I started the business. It fell apart in the boom and the bust. I rebuilt it, and today it's actually just buzzing along um, 
I couldn't be happier with it. And, and since I've got that business now tuned in with my systems and processes, I was able to take on a new venture. Which are podcast. Which is the Podcast Factory. Brings us to today, Andy. So, well, actually, yeah, you started this a while ago. So what was it about podcasts at that time that attracted you? So the thing is, all right, I don't know if I should be at admitting this, and I think the, the Accelerate listeners might just want to tune me out after this, but all through high school, I was a very bad student. In fact, <laughs> I actually had to take summer school in order to graduate because my grades were so darn low. I think, and, I think they're probably too old for you to negatively influence them that way, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Inspiration is what we're looking for. This is it. All right. So it was, uh, it was a long, hard road. I finally made it out. But there was one, one little spot, one little shining spot in all of that. And it was a place where I always got straight A's when I was skipping other classes. It's the place where I would hang out. And it was TV productions. Mm-hmm. So I love some. <laughs> I didn't want to call it that. That would make me sound like a door. But, a dork, right. but other than that, sorry about that. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, good one. No, yeah, that's pretty much what it was. So TV productions, I did really well in that, and that's just producing the news for the school and little short videos and stuff like that. So I always had the love for media production. And so in 2008, I got my first Mac, and I saw this little symbol on it. It was a little electric guitar. And I realized that I could create podcasts myself, and I had been listening to podcasts for a while, and then to have a Mac and realize I could create my own, I was I was ready to go. And so from then on, I tried to figure out how I could do podcasting, and I did in 2009. I did a show that lasted about a year and a half, 77 episodes, never really made any money, and had to let it go because it was just sucking up my time. And um, I did it again in 2012, did another show with a partner, and that one failed miserably. And this time I dumped a bunch of money into it, and so it hurt twice as bad mm-hmm. and thought I would never do it again. And in 2013, one of my mentors and good friends that helped me get my real estate business really to the the beginning stages of where it is now said he wanted to do a show and wanted to do a show with me, and I felt like I owed it to him because he had helped me out so much, and I knew he could help out other people. So it would really be me holding out on the world if I didn't get him out there. And so we did the show. We did it a little differently. I uh, This is where I started doing my podcast recipes, which is a book I have written. But the podcast recipe at that time to launch that show was a no money down podcast recipe. And I came up with a way to launch the show without putting any money out of pocket. And that was actually the first show at the Podcast Factory. Very interesting. So I want to talk about podcasts and sales. Because okay. it's probably, probably probably people doing a double take when they're hearing this. Is it seems like you know, companies have a hard time. They're struggling with with sort of this they're being told they need to create content. They need to be, you know, content marketing being the theme of the day for Businesses large and small educate their their prospects. Uh, you know, track them to want to know, like, and trust them. Uh, but yeah, it seems very difficult. We started talking about the pre-show. It's very difficult for companies to sort of consistently get on the beam with with writing a blog or engaging in social media. Would a podcast be a good tool for them? Maybe in place of some of that. So here's the thing that's gonna make it even more twisted, Andy. <laughs> it's just gonna get really weird here when I tell you that. I 
am known for talking more people out of podcasting than into it. And there's a good reason for that because most people that I see out there are jumping in and they don't have a business. Now, I know the Accelerate listeners are business owners who already have a business that is working. And it would be wise if we're talking about content creation for them to look for one way or another that they can consistently create content. And so if you don't like writing, if you sit at that keyboard and you freeze up, if you can't think of anything to say when you're sitting in front of that keyboard, uh, maybe a podcast is good for you because it's definitely a great way to take your existing audience and convert them into customers. And it's also a great way to expand your audience by demonstrating who you are, what you know, your genuine self, and really demonstrating authority. Yeah, that, that to me seems like some of the keys. I'm sorry to walk through that. I mean, one is, I know from my own personal experience, I mean, I've written hundreds and hundreds of blog posts, but I can actually produce a podcast, maybe because I'm a slow writer, I can produce a podcast in the time that it takes me to write a blog. And yeah. it's a lot less mental wear and tear. As you said, I'm not sitting there looking at the blank page and sort of endlessly rewriting what I'm trying to put out in the paper. Um, so that part seems easy. And then as you talk about, it seems to me like the long form of a podcast really is better branding for you if you find an effective way to convey your your content. Yeah, absolutely. And so a lot of people like talking better than they do writing. And so a podcast is a, a natural tool for them to do that. And like you said, if you're doing a 20, 30-minute show, you can certainly sit at a keyboard, and if you got that writer's block, you might not have any writing going on until about 10 minutes in, and it's going to take you a while. Or you can sit at a microphone with a topic and three bullet points and talk about it like you're talking to a friend. And that's one of the things that podcasts are really great for is developing that personal relationship. Because it's one thing to read your words, whether they're an email or blog post, but it's another thing to listen to you speak and hear your tone and get to know you. And in fact, one of the guys that I work with over at the podcast factory, he's a little abrasive. Sometimes his writing can put people off and he does that intentionally. He wants to be polarizing. Mm -hmm. And I was at a mastermind where I met some people that knew him and they told me, you know, at first I didn't like this guy. But after hearing you and him on the show, I realized that a lot of the stuff he's saying is kind of tongue-in-cheek, and he's bothering people and being extra abrasive. And, and they pick that up by hearing his voice, where they couldn't feel that or pick it up from reading his words. Because the guy writes daily emails seven days a week, and people still don't get his voice until mm -hmm. they hear him on the show. Right. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I died. When I have lots of guests that come on my show, and and part of what I tell them in an effort to get them to uh, promote their appearance on the show is that yeah, you may have five thousand names on your email list, uh, of which maybe a hundred have done business with you. You know, for the rest of those, you know, forty nine hundred, um, this is great content for them because they're going to connect with you in a way that they never did through your blog or your emails that you're sending them. And this long-form content, if they're on the fence about, yeah, I want to sign up for one of your courses, or I want to buy this product from you, that could really be a great tipping point for just the reason you talked about, that personal connection being made. 
It's funny that you mention it, and especially about just tipping the scales in your favor. I don't know how many podcasts you listen to. I'm a big fan of I Love Marketing with Dean Jackson and Joe Polish. And I, I was having coffee with Dean Jackson. And now this show has a very big listenership. Mm-hmm. And we were talking podcasting. And Dean says, you know, podcasting is terrible at generating leads. And that's a problem. A lot of people get into it and they think they're just going to become famous and the dollars are going to roll in and all that stuff. And it's not exactly like that. No, no. So what Dean said was, podcasts are great for converting people into customers. So it's not going to be a list builder necessarily. It will be an audience builder and a Mm. brand awareness builder. But the real power is in the database you already have. And this is one of the reasons why I won't work with anybody who doesn't already have a database that they're in touch with. Because the thing is, you're taking that low-hanging fruit on your database. You're spending 20 or 30 minutes chatting with them. It warms them way up, and it tips the scales in your favor when you make that next offer. Oh, absolutely. Because without that, you're just like everybody else whose email list they're on, right? You're sort of, I, I call it sort of the blizzard of undifferentiated messaging that everybody receives. Boy, you got that personal connection you make. You get a sense to sort of give people the idea of how you're going to serve their needs. And, you know, if you've read The, the Go-Giver by Bob Berg, it talks about oh, people yeah. buy from people they know, like, and trust. This really establishes, you know, some of the basis for the no liking and trusting. Absolutely. It warms people up to you. They get that next dimension they can only get so much from the the written word and if you're on social media or anything they can only get the feed that you're putting out there but there is something about spending this time and that's what's really powerful about podcasts above all else you keep using the term long form content and personally i think 20 or 30 minutes is short (laughs) considering what's out there but 20 minutes that people spend with you you know they're not going to spend 20 minutes watching a video. You nope. know they're not going to spend 20 minutes reading a blog post, nope. but they're certainly going to pop you in their ears and you're going to have a direct correct connection to their brain for 20 minutes when they're listening to you in a podcast. Yeah, so think about this as, you know, out there listening to the show is how powerful that can be for you. If you're saying, God, what's the one edge I could have to try to set, increase my conversions? Perhaps it is the podcast. So, I want to take a short break. When I come back, though, I want to talk about some of the mechanics. And you talk about how you'd talk more people out of starting a podcast than starting it. Is maybe some ground rules that you could establish for some of the listeners in terms of what would be, you know, things they should look for in terms of whether it's a good time for them to start their podcasts. Okay. So we'll be right back with my guest, Jonathan Rivera. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back with my guest, Jonathan Rivera, founder of the Podcast Factory. And we're talking about podcasts and sales, and we're going to jump into... uh, Gosh, when should a company think about starting their own podcast to help drive some more engagement with their prospects? And you again, just reference you talked about early in the show, 
oftentimes you talk people out of it for good reasons. So when when should a company say, okay, yeah, we've got the requisite requirements in place to start a podcast? It makes sense for us with the business we're in. Great question, Andy. And what happens is as entrepreneurs and leaders and, and visionaries, sometimes we get bored with things. And we're like, okay, so what's next? And what I want to instill upon the Accelerate listeners is max out the stuff that's working right now. So my qualifiers, when I'm going to, when somebody's referred to me or they want to work with me, I ask them three simple questions. Question number one is, how big is your email list and how often are you in touch with them? Because I am from the school of thought that you should have an email list before you start podcasting because really the email list is the beginnings to your database and that's going to be your bread and butter. And even better than just an email list is a buyer's list. So you should have a buyer's list. And the reason why I ask how often they are in touch with them is because if you're never emailing that list and they don't know who you are, they won't care about your show. The whole point is to use a podcast with an engaged audience to take them over the edge and turn them into customers, mm -hmm. at least from the way I run my stuff. Right. And I've learned. I mean, I made all the mistakes. I told you earlier how I threw money away on podcasts and years away not making any money. So this is just from experience that I'm trying to save you out there the trouble. Okay. So I need a list? Does doesn't need to be a specific size, does it? Nah, actually, I just wrote, uh, I don't know when this show's coming out, but I have a, a print newsletter, the Podcast Mogul Newsletter, and I, I just had a case study in there where I worked with Michelle Spiva from the Epic Story Lifestyle. She's a fiction writer, mm -hmm. and with a small list of 100 people, we were able to get her to the top of New and Noteworthy. So the list size is not as important as how engaged they are. That's what's more important. That's why I ask, how often are you in touch with them? Mm -hmm. So that's the first piece of the puzzle. And I would the, think in terms of frequency, weekly probably is a, a great benchmark people should have as a minimum. You're talking to the wrong guy. I email seven days a week. Yeah, well, I was talking about minimum, <laughs> as a minimum. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about everybody emailing as often as possible so they don't get forgotten. And that's just something that has been instilled upon me by one of my mentors, Ben Settle, who does the uh, Antipreneur Show. But yeah, at least they have to know who you are. And if you're emailing weekly, they're at least hearing from you and they have an idea of who you are. And you're 100% correct there, Andy. So the next piece of the puzzle is what are you selling? Because if you have nothing for sale, if you have no customers, then you should be working on that instead of a podcast. And so if you have a customer list, that is a great place to start with your podcast. Re-engage your customers. Who's most likely to buy from you again? It's the people who have already bought from you. And so a podcast is a good way to re-engage customers and clients and bring them back into the fold so they know what you can do for them and you're fresh in their thoughts and they get another little touch or taste from you. So that's number two. Have something to sell. If you don't have something to sell, go work on that. And number three question is really just subjective. When people want to work with me, I ask them, why do you want to show? And that's mostly because I want to know if I can dig their mission and get behind it and help them deliver that idea to the world. So those are three pieces. How big is your email list? How often are you emailing them? 
what do you have for sale and do you have a buyer's list and then why do you want to do a show and if you can answer all those questions correctly yes i have an email list yes they know who i am yes i have stuff to sell then it's a good chance that a podcast could work for you because the other thing is you need to be able to chat and share some good thoughts and ideas yeah so that really brings the next question is sort of like the same issue they have staring at a blank page when they're getting started what's the easiest content as you talked about before maybe it's just like you're talking to a friend which you know could be your customers with three bullet points and you don't have to commit to having it be 30 minutes long it's it what makes sense right absolutely i am a firm believer in the shorter is better and that's one of the things i always tell folks is they want to go longer and i'm like keep them wanting more because if you keep it a little bit shorter and you keep them engaged then as you're developing your vault of content people will just say oh man i just listened to that show and i can't get enough of andy i'm going to go back and listen to more shows that's what you want you want them really submerging themselves in your content i mean that's that's the main idea is so they get in there and they get to know you, they get to like you, and get to trust you, like Bob Berg, the go-giver, said, who is a, a very cool guy. And one of the ways that we start, when I start with a new client, I make them dive deep into the avatar and their market and really getting to know their market so they can dial in their messaging. And one of the easiest places to start is just those FAQs, questions that you get asked all the time. Record a podcast about them, write a topic three bullets and sum it up with a call to action. You can do that in 10 to 15 minutes easily. And next time somebody asks you this question again, send them the podcast instead of typing it out or sending them to your FAQ page. Exactly. I think one of the big hurdles for people also to get over is just this idea that putting themselves out there, right? That that somehow you know, people are judging them <laughs> uh, <laughs> one way or another. And I, and I know it's, that's a difficult barrier. I mean, as an author, I know from... When I wrote my first book, it was uh, quite daunting to, to put that out there because I thought, well, actually, I tell I tell the story with, you know, my wife when I first started doing public speaking would ask me, you know, how it went, and I, my benchmark was always, well, no one stood up and called me an idiot, so I must have done okay. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that. Yeah. So I mean, it's the same thing. It's just, you know, people actually there's this implied, as you talked about, there's this implied expertise when you are doing a podcast because you know if it was just so easy everybody would do it right so when your audience gives you the benefit of the doubt you shouldn't uh, be reluctant to do it because you're scared about how people are going to perceive the the content you're providing absolutely and the other thing is we're always going to be harsher critics of ourselves and I'll, I'll quote mr bob berg since you brought him up uh it's not about you yeah it's not about you, right? That's one of his books. And it's more about them and what you're bringing to them. And they're not going to hear all the flaws that you hear. And just face it, in the beginning, you're not going to be great. And that's what's what's perfect about it is you can only get better. So you can keep recording shows, keep getting better, and keep improving. But your audience is always going to be thinking about what's in it for me. And as long as you're delivering the goods, they're going to overlook all that criticism that you might be putting on yourself, and they might not even notice these things. Exactly, exactly. So I want to ask you, what, what do you see happening in terms of sort of future trends with podcasts? I mean, you know, technology continues to, to proceed apace. 
is there's something happening? I mean, certainly I know with the technology, there's lots of things coming in terms of you know, automatic ad insertion and so on for people trying to monetize it. But is the format itself going to change with the underlying technology in a way that will impact uh, people getting into it? Well, right now what I'm seeing is, uh, and it's cool, the most popular format right now is interview shows. And there's a, an underground swell of people bringing back scripted type of stuff like voice actors and more dramatic type of stuff and you think about serial with the storytelling mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of angle i believe that we're going to see more of that and the thing about that is it's a lot more work it's definitely not what we're doing as marketers but some of that can be used especially the part about storytelling and I think that's the most important thing that you can do in your show is start off with a story and pull people in instead of talking at people. And so I'm seeing a trend towards that. I'm also seeing that it's getting easier and easier for us who have shows to get into people's cars, Mm -hmm. which is going to be great for the commute because that's where most of the listening happens much like I listen to Howard Stern on the way to work in the morning people can be listening to your show on the way to work and you can be in the car with them the other part is it's gotten easier see when I started you had to actually plug in your iPod and download stuff and it was like 30 steps now the thing's just delivered by the air. So it's getting easier to get into people's mobile phones and become a part of their life. Because as you know, people are listening to us on the commute, the bike ride, the run, the gym, all different stuff. And right now is a great time to get in and take your share of that if it makes sense in your business. Excellent. Well, good. Well, Jonathan, thanks. We're going to move into the last segment of the show. But in a few minutes, we'll give you a chance to tell people how they can find out more about uh, the Podcast Factory and your services. So I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests, and especially since you're a business owner, you, you, get, to, you get to answer all of these. Yes. Is the first one is a hypothetical scenario, and you're sort of the star of the show in that, in that in the scenario, you've just been hired as a new sales manager, sales VP, at a company whose sales have stalled out. And the CEO really wants them turned around pretty quickly and help things get unstuck. So what two things would you do in your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? First two things I would do is, number one, I would ask for the customer list so that I could dive into the data, see who are the customers, and most importantly, who are the repeat customers, and look for trends, look for things that are similar, look for little tells on who these people are and pull those folks out and reconnect with them. If you're not still doing business with them, that's part two of it. I would find the trends, look for the best customers. And part two is I would reconnect with those customers and find out why they are no longer customers and put together a plan from that market research. Got it. All right. Great answer. Okay. When you, Jonathan, are out selling, what's your most powerful sales attribute? When somebody's trying to, you're trying to talking to a prospect to buy your services? It's an interesting one because we're doing an interview and I'm doing a lot of talking here, but my superpower that people are often shocked by is my ability to listen and feed that information back in a succinct fashion. 
great entrepreneurial quality to have. One of the best, I think. Free Thanks. people, people listening to the show. I mean, that ability to be present and listen and mindful and then synthesize what you were told back into uh, an answer or a summary of what they what their challenge is, very important. Yeah. Who's your sales role model? Who is my sales role model? I have a lot of sales role models, but to name one specifically, I don't think I could, but I will tell you this. What I really look for is I'm I'm a student of direct response marketing. Mm-hmm. And so I study all the old greats like Halbert, Collier, and all these people who, who have been doing this stuff 50 years before me who helped me realize that everything that's old still works. And in fact, some cases it works better. <laughs> I'm laughing when, when you say that because in the sales world, we're constantly being confronted with all these new terms and new quote-unquote methodologies that just like you pointed out, yeah, we did that you know, decades ago, or that was being done decades ago. It's just got a new name on it, or maybe it has a new piece of technology that supports it. But yeah, what's exactly. new is old, and what's old is new again. So what's one, one book every entrepreneur should read? All right, so I'm actually on own. a mission. <laughs> uh, I'm on a mission this year. I, I set a challenge for myself at, at the beginning of the year that I would read a book a week, so 52 books this year. And at the time we're recording this, I'm about 40 books in, so I'm a little ahead of schedule. You're quite ahead just, of schedule, yeah. Just a little bit. I, I, it's just an adventure to read. But one of the books that has helped me out quite a bit. And one of the books that I continue to read over and over again is Michael Gerber's E-Myth mm-hmm. and the idea of systemizing things. Now, people sometimes take that idea out of context and they try to systemize too early. But that idea of creating systems and working yourself out of the business so that you are no longer the cog in the machine, but you're the orchestrator of that machine right. is a powerful idea that you can use in any part of your business. All right, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Great book. So last question for you. What's uh, what's on your playlist these days, music-wise? What's on my playlist? I have actually been, uh, I'm a Amazon Prime subscriber. Mm-hmm. And w- one of the things I like to do, I told you I'm into constant improvements. I'm looking for ways to hack my productivity. And so what I've been doing is listening to movie scores for focus. And this is a playlist on Amazon. So movie scores for focus and it just helps me get into the whole feeling of the movie while I'm writing or while I'm doing work without bogging me down with words. Oh, so I like not, that. <laughs> not exactly a band or anything, but certainly something you can try. Very interesting. Yeah, cuz I I've, I've got a a writing playlist that I use when I'm writing books that uh it's like I have a Pavlovian response to the music as soon as the first measure hits I'm um, at the keyboard, um, but movie scores—that's interesting because I think I'm sort of convinced we all sort of go around with the movie score in our head <laughs> as certain things happen in our lives. Yeah, we've got music playing in the background. Very interesting. I like it. All right. Well, Jonathan, thanks for being my guest today. Oh, my pleasure. I, I appreciate you having me on the show. It's been fun. So, tell people how they can find out more about you. Sure. So, thank you for that, of course. And what I've done is I put. My top 10 podcast recipes 
into a download. So we talked about the No Money Down podcast recipe. I also have a podcast recipe for how to never run out of topics, which we talked about a little bit earlier. And that is available to all the folks listening right now. All you have to do is go to thepodcastfactory.com forward slash accelerate, just like the show. When you go to thepodcastfactory.com forward slash accelerate, you'll be able to download my top 10 podcast recipes to make more money, build your audience, and all that kinds of good stuff. Excellent. Excellent. I'm going to do that just as soon as I hang up. <laughs> I'm going to get jump on everybody listening to this. So, That's right. Well, again, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure, and I hope that the Accelerate listeners have some takeaways from our chat today because I really enjoyed it, Andy. I'm sure they will. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new. Do like Jonathan, read a book a week to help you accelerate your success. Another easy way to do that is to make sure you make this podcast a part of your daily routine. Listen to Accelerate on your commute in the gym or as part of your morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Jonathan Rivera, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.